And I want to look at this uh, particular pericope of text that I was read in your hearing in John, the fifth chapter in your, the Jehonian letter. There is a word from the Lord. Now, I hope you didn't just come to hear me preach, but I hope you came to help me preach. There is a difference. Look at John 5, and, and what I want to do with John 5 is let me just, um, and we read it in your hearing earlier. Let me just read it again just for emphasis sake. Amen. The Bible says, you got your Bible, your app? Yes, sir. All right, if you got it, say amen. amen. All right, if you're still looking, say wait up. And if you don't have a Bible, just say go on without me. All right, if I got a Bible then, or an app, the text says, the text says, I, after this, John 5, verse 1, after this, there was a feast of the Jews. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there was at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool which is called in the Hebrew tongue, Bethesda, mm -hmm. and having five porches. And in these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water, for an angel went down at a certain season into the pool that troubled the water. And whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity 30 and eight years. And when Jesus saw, and this is my, where I get my text from, this is an emphasis right here. When Jesus saw him lie and knew he had been now a long time in that cause or in that case, he saith unto him, wilt thou be made whole? Wilt thou be made whole? And what I like about that is in the message version, it says, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? I want to use it as my subject this morning. I want to talk to you individually. And I want to talk to you as a church. Do you want to get well? Turn your name and say, neighbor. Do you want to get well? I surmise that I always thought that everybody ought to want to get well. But oftentimes, by our behavior, I've come to conclude that there are some folk in the church, some folk in life, that don't want to get well. They're not interested in getting well. They continue to do the same bad habits, same things, same sin, over and over again. They don't want to get well. So that's why I want to talk about, I want to raise the question. Do you want to get well? 
Do you want to get better? Reagan, uh, President Reagan said on one occasion, that a man isn't finished when he is defeated, but rather he is finished when he quits. We have to continue to move on in life and not let defeat finish us. We have to understand that uh, life moves on and our lives are a microcosm of the church. Your, your, your life, your family life, your church, the nation, the world. So in other words, just like you have trouble in your personal lives, the church has trouble because it's made up of people who have problems. And when you got folk who have problems and then they come to church, they come to worship. Then you got a church that y'all ain't got to say nothing. Preach pointer. I think I will. Now, I say preach pointer not because I'm arrogant, but I know good preaching when I hear it. I think I just said something. And that is we have a lot of people who don't understand that the reason why the church has problems. Because you have problems. And let me just say this. You will never find a perfect church. I tell my members if you find the church is perfect. I'll write you a recommendation letter to the church. And I'm going to tell them that when they get you, the church was perfect until they got there. Because all of us got problems. There is no perfect church. And just, just like you have to work through your situations, the church has to work through its situation. You can't quit and give up because things don't go your way. You got to hang in there and stop pouting and rolling your eyes. And stop holding back the church and let the church roll on. And another thing. Let me just say this. Let me just say this. I want to talk about this because a lot of churches, we come to church DOA. Now, now I know I'm in Chicago, so I know you know what I'm talking about. You turn on the news and folk are getting shot all the time. And when they get there and the person is already dead, they call it DOA. And a lot of us in the church, we come to service and worship the Lord DOA. We, we didn't prepare our hearts and minds to worship God. No wonder why you can't get anything out of worship. You didn't bring anything to worship. DOA. That I can't get into his singing. And oh, he didn't preach what I. Can, can I just say something? I wasn't planning on preaching. This is right. This is good. It's not about you. We think that worship is about us. It's about him. We're not here to please you. We're here to please him. Turn your name and say, neighbor, it's not about you. 
You don't like, why do y'all sit next to folk you don't like? Turn to your other neighbor. Tell them it's not about you. I remember in Nashville, we, my mother-in-law was over the cooking. And she called me and said, well, it depends. If she, if, if, it's funny because, you know, when you're in church, she called me Dr. Pointer. When we at home, you just pointer. And she called me and she said, Dr. Pointer? I said, yes. She says, we have a situation. She says that I'm trying to get folk to bring the menu and, and we have a member that says that she cooked for the fellowship last time. Now y'all are killing my vibe. Y'all need to turn up, watch this. And that's for my young folk. And, and she said that when I called this individual, they said that, that last time they cooked, they brought some green beans. And they said that when they brought the green beans, that two things. She said, I brought a cake and green beans. When I brought the green beans, she said, I noticed that somebody had mixed my green beans with their green beans. And second of all, I want to complain because I brought my famous caramel cake and it never made it to the table. Can I hover a while? And so I said, really? So, so, so I called the individual and I said, what's the problem? And she told me the same thing. She told my mother-in-law, I said, well, let me address each one. Let's talk about the baked beans, or the beans, rather, the green beans. First of all, you're right. I can't cook, but I know when other folk can't cook. But I do know you can't mix folks cooking because folk cook differently, different spices, and they may not blend. So I feel you, and we're going to make this correction. And I'm going to write a mandate down to the fellowship committee. No more mixing of the beans. So we got that situation covered. Now, according to the cake, now that's the biggest compliment you could have gotten. Because people who work in the kitchen often don't get a time to eat, but if they know something is good, they put it up. That means your cake is the best cake and you ought to take it as a compliment and stop complaining. And right now I need you to fry chicken. So just fry the chicken and bring it home. And it's not about you. We think everything is about us. Turn to neighbor and say, neighbor, it's not about you. Turn to the other neighbor and say, neighbor, Ain't about you either. Because oftentimes we think everything about, especially this me generation. 
I was sitting there the other day at the, at the airport, and I saw this young lady. She's up in the corner, and she's just snapping, smiling, and taking pictures, selfies. She took about 20 pictures of herself. And I got to thinking about it, I probably can't find 20 pictures of myself, but she took 20 pictures of herself in five minutes. The me generation. Can I tell you something? In the church, it's not about you. That might work with a selfie. But in the church, it's made up of people and individuals, and, it, and it's all about serving God. So when you come, stop coming to church. Start coming to worship. Because technically, you, you, you can't go to church anyway because we are the church. We're members of the church. Just thought I'd mention that while I was flying by. All right, let me get to my text. I don't like this. So let me get to my text. I don't know where that. That was off. And, and another thing. I was trying to get there. I was trying to get to my text, but I, I, I'm going to get there in a moment. And another thing. Let me tell you something. I understand that you have gone through great pain here. And I'm sensitive to that. And I can feel that. But let me, let me, can I say something? The Bible says, you got time to hear the Bible? In John 10, 10. Now I know you live in Chicago, so you got locks. I know you got locks on your house. Did you remember, now you're from New York, now maybe y'all have the Chicago, but we don't do that in Minnesota, but we used to have like uh, three locks, click, 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 then another click, and put a pole up against the, yeah. Against the door, the Bible says, the thief cometh to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. Let me speak to the church and to you individually. It's just for, I don't know who this is for. The Lord is telling you, I want you to focus on life and not death. Let me say that again. The Lord wants you to focus on life. We spend all our time worried about death. The, the dead has gone to sleep with the fathers. He wants you to focus on life and not death. When you're a child of God, death is no more than a vehicle. It takes you from one place to another. Yes, Let me help you. I got, I got some brand new uh, twins, grandchildren. No, no. Boy and girl. And every night they, 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 they fall asleep in my bed. No, no, no. And I'll be. But when they wake up, uh -oh. the mom and daddy come and put them in their own beds. Yeah, yeah. That's what death is like. Well, you fall asleep on this side. Yeah. And then you wake up on the other side. So death is no more than a vehicle. It takes you from one place to another. So you don't fear death. You ought to fear what's after death, and that's the judgment. The little boy said, I wouldn't mind dying if dying was all. But you better be prepared. So you ought to get ready and be ready and stay ready because you don't know the day nor the hour when the Son of God will come. Let me talk about my wife. I like talking about her. Let, let me talk about my wife. Y'all pray for her. We, um, 
I, I've been delivered, so I don't, I, don't, I don't speed anymore. I try to speed anymore. But my wife still hasn't been delivered, so y'all pray for her. My wife gets all frustrated, come behind a slow car, a person won't act right, whatever. I, I, you know, I, I don't want folk tearing on my car, so go, go ahead. Just go ahead. She's like, you're too easy. I, I know I'm from, but I don't want folk tearing up my car. Because the person who's tearing up your car probably ain't got no insurance. And you'd be without a car. So don't, I tell, just don't tear, go, go ahead, you go, sir. I'm not that much, a, you go and don't tear up my car. So we had a light one day. And, you know, normally I sit and I'll be patient. I figure you come to it after a while. My wife, that light turned green and you don't, bah, bah, bah. I'm going somewhere. One time I did it and, and, and I sat there and, and, and we actually missed the light. The light had turned green, turned red, and we're still sitting. Many of us, when it comes to death and it comes to church situations, we're still stuck at a green light. Life, are you getting this? Life has moved on. We're still. Cars are going by, folk are blowing, getting mad because they got to go around and using all kind of verbiage and verbosity and all kind of sign language to tell us what they think about us sitting at a light, lights green. But in life, a lot of us are stuck. At the green light. All right, y'all can't take no more of this. Let me give it to my left. Let me give it to my left. Oh, I can read my, I'm looking at y'all. I can read my crowd. Y'all like, oh, please get to your sermon, please. All right, let me get to my sermon. I'm going to try to find something you like. I can tell you don't like that. Let me get to my sermon. Let, let me get to my text, okay? Can I just read my text? All right, because y'all don't like that. I'll try to bless y'all. Y'all, no, don't give us that. I thought you came to preach. You didn't come to, I came to fuss and preach. Do I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? I, I'm trying to make you better. Do you want to get well? I'm sick of folk being around me who don't want to get well. I want to help the church, and in order to do that, you got to get well. Let me get to my text. Y'all got me, I'm not even getting to my text. I'm a textual August. I want to get to my text. Can I just get to my text? Yes, sir. The Bible says, let me go, let's go to verse one. Let's go by verse by verse. Can we do that verse by verse. All right, verse one. After this, there was a feast. Now, now, now let me talk about this because notice the Bible says, after this, there was a feast of the Jews. Now, contextually, we don't know what feast this was. Uh, it could have been the feast of Pentecost. It could have been the feast of the, uh, the feast of the Passover. Uh, it could have been uh, the Feast of the Tabernacle, and it doesn't say, so it just says feast. And when you study the Bible and it doesn't tell you, you can't add or subtract, so all we know is it's just a feast. Don't try to speculate or eisegete. Preach the text. There was a feast. So since the Bible is silent on what kind of feast, then we got to be silent. You don't know and I don't know. 
And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Because what happens is Jerusalem was situated in the hills. And that's why they had a cross and they would, it was really a, a humiliation to, to be crucified in Jerusalem because everybody, all surrounding cities, could look up, up to Jerusalem and see you crucified. So whenever the text, the Bible says, you'll notice it always says they had to go up to Jerusalem. Then the text says, now there was at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue, Bethesda, having five porches. This Bethesda is also, people call this sometimes uh, the house of the porch of mercy. And you'll notice that in this text, he said that there was this uh, place in uh, Bethesda having five porches. And then verse three says, and in these lay a great multitude of impotent. Now, impotent means powerless. So you got a lot of people here in the pool, but they don't have power. You have a lot of folk in the church. They show up every Sunday. Won't come to Wednesday night. Won't come back on Sunday night and wonder why they ain't got no power. I can tell you why. It, Let me help you because you, you don't see it. Most folk have cell phones, right? Have you noticed sometimes when you're busy, your phone will, 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 will use it, but then it'll get low on batteries, it'll die. And most of us have to charge our phones up every day. If you have to charge your phone up every day, then what makes you think you can't go without talking to God every day? That's why you have no power. That's why we have a powerless church and a wicked generation. We're not equipped, we're not enabled, we're not empowered to do great ministry because we ain't got no power. See, when you study the word, the word equips you. But the Holy Spirit in prayer empowers you. So if you're going to be powerful, you got to study and pray. Some of y'all, you want to pray, but you don't want to study. And some of y'all want to study and ain't going to pray. Let, let me help you another way. Y'all don't get that. Let me, y'all look confused. Have you ever called somebody and you're talking to them and you can't get a word in? You trying to tell them something? Okay, you hang up. That's one way. I like that. Because guess what? That's how we look talking to God. If all we do is pray, then we're doing all the talking. But it's when you stop talking and start studying and meditating. Now God talks to you. That's why we have no power. Too many immature Christians in the body of Christ. And I'm not talking about you. Listen, listen, listen. You could have been in the church 20 years. 
and you're still an infant. We still got to feed you milk. You know, some folk, you got to preach to church every week. Well, I preach Christ to church every week, but I'm going to go on and give you some meat with it. You got to add to your diet. I noticed with these twins that uh, when they first were born, you had to give them milk, and that, that satisfied them. But I got one, especially the boy and the girl, both of them, and when they got about two months old and three months old, they, they want a little bit more than that. You give them milk, they're crying still. They're still hungry. Oh, y'all like to help me with this. Preach, pointer. I think I will. Y'all ain't going to say, I'll just say my own amen. Now, listen, I made up in my mind. Listen, I came all the way from Minnesota. I came, if nobody else is going to have a good time in the house of the Lord, I made up my mind. Hey, 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 I will. I didn't come here to play church. I came here because I wanted someone to get better. And when I leave here, I want you better off when I left than when I arrived. And if I got to hurt your feeling to do that, so let it be. Sometimes in order to grow up, God has to make you uncomfortable. Some of y'all need to be shook up. That's what's wrong with some of y'all. I didn't come here to baby y'all. Some of you been here. You all been here longer than I am old. And you know better. Don't sit there look like you know, you know better. We shouldn't have to preach the same thing over and over again because you ought to know better. Hold folk accountable. They ain't going to like you, but that's all right. They learn to love you because at least you want the best out of them. I love them enough to correct them. All right, well, I, I know I won't be back no more, but I'm here. I may never call. That's all right. I'm going to get it all out while I'm here. You can say he never came back, but he sure told us while he was yet with us. Let me go to my next verse. You don't like that verse. I'm trying to find something y'all like here. I, I, I can't seem to find something you like here. All right. Uh, so who is that point? I'm glad you asked. That's why I like preaching to y'all. Y'all always ask the right question. Well, who was there at the pool that day? Well, who's here to church? Well, they were impotent folk, which means they were powerless. So the folk that were powerless were there. The blind were there. And a lot of us, we may have power, but we can't see spiritually. So I, I challenge you today to put on your spiritual bifocals. And see what I see. Because I'm going to tell you something. If you can't see what I see, then you can't go where I'm going. See, it's my job as the preacher to show the vision. If you can't see. Oh, y'all are going to help me here. What I see. Then you can't go where I'm going. Let me say this. I know you ain't going to like this. You need to see it because when the Lord is ready to move the church forward, it's going to go on with or without you. And sometimes the Lord has to move some folk so the church can move on. 
And I'm not just talking about death. He can strike you with a sickness. You can't even come back to church no more. You ain't done nothing but raise Cain in the church that you've been here. We got folk that, that want to come that they ain't happy at home, ain't happy at work, and they come to church, they ain't happy at church. We got some drama kings and drama queens. They like to stir up, let, let the church have some peace, but then they want to stir up some trouble because they like to have mess going on. Stop the mess. Let the church roll on. Who else was there? I'm glad you asked. The withered? Now what? The withered? Waiting for the moving of the water. Notice that there was, first of all, a divine destiny. Jesus, he had to come to the pool of Bethesda. Then I want you to notice that then there is a distinct separation. There's the blind, there's the impotent, the blind, the halt, the withered, they're all waiting for the moving of the water. Now, now this is very important. Now notice this. This is a place where everybody is sick. Notice that this house of mercy had all sick folk. Do we not know the church is a hospital? We got to quit turning folk away. Because we don't like their sickness. Who will we decide which sickness we can deal with? If you're sick, you need a hospital. If you're sick, you need a doctor. They need Dr. Jesus that they're spiritually sick. And they need the body of Christ so they can have people that can help them and encourage them. And you got to be healthy enough to help them. All of them are sick. But now let me say this now. But, you, but here's the problem. I don't mind everybody being sick. But all y'all can't be sick with the same problem. You just can't have all blind folk in the church. You don't mind having somebody who's spiritually blind and somebody who's impotent over here because they got two different issues. All right, let, let me work. I don't get it. Okay. I don't need to hang around all broke folk. Because all they know is broke talk. And you're going to always be broke because all you hang around is if you hang around negative folk it won't be long before you get negative. So you can't hang around folk with the same problem. So, so let me help you. Let me help you. Let me help you out. So if you got a problem with smoking marijuana, you don't need to hang around other folk that have a problem with some strange cigarettes. If you drink, don't drop the cane. We're going to be all right. Somebody driving the walker. I, I didn't call it a name. I just said, if you drink, then you may not have to, you can't hang around other folk. Uh -huh. well, that's right. 
Y'all ain't going to help me at all. Preach pointer, I think I will. Boy, that's good preaching. I thought it was. Matter of fact, you, did, you, you got me so good, I can't even, I'm speechless. I don't want to say nothing because then folk will start looking at me because that's my problem. Let me make you uncomfortable. Then you need to repent and get right with God. And if you've been hindering the church, you need to run down this aisle. If you don't like that, I can go home now. Oh, let me finish. Then I'll go home. All right, all right. Just, just tell me you don't want me to stay all week and I'll leave. I don't want to stay where I'm not wanted. But don't let me get, don't, you get mad all you, but it's all because I told you the truth. Why did he leave? Oh, he was all on our case. Good. Did he make you uncomfortable? Yes. Good. Are you going to change? Yes. Good. I want to make you mad. Because when I finish for you, either you're mad or you're glad. But I got to bring about a change. Let me get to my next verse. You don't like that verse. Verse 4. For the angel of the Lord, for the angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. And whatsoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever diseases they had. First of all, let me say that this text suggests that there was a pool that was stirred up at a certain season. And the text says whoever got in it first. Well, let me suggest this. Let me tell you this biblically. Number one, when you go back and you study your Bible, there's no mention anywhere in scriptures of a pool. This is John teaching us, but this was supposedly a local myth. Because when you study the Bible, notice it's only in this verse where you ever hear about a, a pool that whoever gets in gets healed. You don't read it nowhere else. But, you know, you can be sick so long that you got to have some kind of hope. So they would have people just stand there, sit there for years waiting just to get in the water first. Oh, y'all ain't going to help me here. I, I do believe if you hang around the church long enough, maybe some of it will rub off on you. Maybe some of y'all will start loving each other. Just maybe some of y'all will start having some peace. Maybe some of y'all want to try to go to heaven and try to act right and live right and walk right and talk. Just maybe. But we don't find anywhere in scriptures or history, biblical history, that supports this. However, it's here. So we have to preach it like it is. You see what I'm saying? That's how you preach it. You, you can't take it out of the Bible. You preach it and tell you that we can't find no evidence to back this up. So we go as it is. But it's a good point, though. All right, let me go. Y'all all right? Did I mess? All right, don't mess y'all up now. That's the text. That, that's the text. Because what I want to do real quickly is I'm going to talk about my text. And then I want to talk about my context. And then I'm going to give you a proof text to back up my text and my context, and I'm done. All right, go to another verse. You don't like that verse either. A certain man was there which had an infirmity for 38 years. Can you imagine? Now, now this is where this text becomes a conundrum. 
This is where the text becomes questions arise. Because when you start raising questions and raise conundrums, you have to ask yourself, well then, me, as, a, as, a, as I'm exegeting, you have to ask yourself, as I, as I do an etymological examination of this particular pericope, as you try to expound and expostulate and pontificate from the text, you have to ask yourself, was the man dropped off when he was one? And he'd been there 38 years. Was he dropped off at 30? And he was there 38 years. See, the text doesn't say. All we know that he was in this bad state for 38 years. So whether you just got here, I don't know. How long you've been here, I don't know. But I want to raise the same question. Do you want to get well? Some of y'all been in church for 38 years. And you ain't no more spiritual than you were when you got baptized. Let me say this. I know some members in Minnesota. Now, I ain't going to talk about Chicago because I'm still here this week. I know some members in Minnesota where this microphone is more spiritual than they are. There's nothing spiritual about them. You don't want a church where people come and cannot feel the spirit of the Lord in this house. I'm going to tell you like my grandma said. Some of y'all ought to act like you got some sense. She would say, grow up and act like. Now, I'm talking to the old folks, so I know I ain't going to be back no more. Grow up. And act like you got some sense. And stop raising Cain. Can I say hell? I, mean, I, don't, want, I don't want to say hell if I can't say hell. Now stop raising hell in the church. Because let me tell you, if you don't stop doing that's where you're going to end up. You can't mess with the Lord's church and think you're going to get away with it. Well, all right, good thing I got me a ticket to go back. All right. Then, verse 6, I'm trying to hurry up. Y'all said, please don't raise no more conundrums. Okay, I won't. But when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been in that now a long time in that case, he said to him, watch this now, wilt thou be made whole? Do you want to get better? Do you want to get better? See, you can change your situation by changing your decision. So you can change your situation right now by changing your decision. It's all about it. You can come as you are mentally, but you don't have to leave here like you came. All right. Y'all getting quiet. Aristotle said at one point, that man is made up of a dichotomy. There's two parts. There's his potential and actuality. Now, let me talk about this in the church. I'm coming home now. I'm going to come down the aisle. I know y'all like when I preach out in the world, but I'm coming home. 
The problem with us in the church is that we marry people with potential. And we don't marry people with actuality. I know what I'm, I'm letting them marinate. Let me cook. Let me cook. Let me say it again. Aristotle said that man is made up of a dichotomy. His potentiality and his actuality. And a lot of us, we want to marry folk because we think we can change them. Come on, preach out. When I get through with him, he's going to be a changed man. He got so much potential. Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay, but let me, can I just tell you, well, it, it could be, but, but, but just don't marry on potentiality. What's his actuality? Well, 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 well he's going to get a job one day. If he ain't got a job now, that's his actuality. And if he's 30 and ain't got no job now, then 20 years from now, he probably still ain't going to have no job. Listen, listen, when my, my children knew when they brought them home, they had to have certain qualifications. One of them was not only had to be spiritual in the body of Christ, but he had to have a J-O-B. Don't bring me nobody because he don't qualify. Oh, but I can help him and I can write his resume and... No, you can. What he gonna do? All right, I don't like that area. I can tell right now. All right, I'm trying to help somebody. That's why we always marry the wrong folk. You marry somebody you think you can change. You can't change him. Only God can change a man. You can put him in a new suit and bring him out here in church and say, this is my man. This is my boo. This is my bae. But at the end of the day, he still ain't got no job. Boo don't have a job. Boo stays home when you're leaving and boo is at home when you get, oh, I wish I had someone to help me. I know you like boo. Boo need a job. And, I, you know, I'm just saying, you just have a quiet job. But, but my family, my kids knew I, they didn't have to have a job. They had to have a career. Anybody can get a job. Where does he want to go? Where is he going to take you? What does he have to offer? How you get one of my girls and you ain't got nowhere? You don't know where you're going. Cause see, my, my girls are dominant. They're going to run something. Uh -huh. Oh, okay. Let me leave my folk alone. All right. All right. I'm trying, let me get to my next. Set. Let me get to the next verse. I'm in verse seven now. Y'all say I can't take no more. Okay. Now, now watch this. I want you to get this part. It's very powerful here. This, those of you that like, that like uh, text and like preaching from the text, this is your chance to shout right here. Watch this. Not not. Now, some of y'all are already mad. That's all right. Just roll your eyes. I see you rolling them now. That's all right. I ain't scarred and I ain't heard up my sermon either. 
Watch this. Y'all ready to shout? Because I got to close here after a while. Watch this, verse 7. I, I, it took me a while to see this. I preached this for years. I didn't see it. Watch this. You see verse 7? Verse 7 says, the impotent man answered him. Oh, y'all ain't shouting. That was it. Y'all ain't. You gotta make me work today. All right, watch this. Watch this, watch this now. So Jesus asked a question. Now, let me just say this. When Jesus asked a question, he's not just asking for information, but rather he's asking a question for revelation. Let me say it again. Let me say it again. When Jesus raises a conundrum and he asked him do you want to get well do you want to be made whole do you want to get better he's not asking them for information but rather he's asking for revelation he already knows your situation he already knows your heart but he's asking because he wants to reveal something well, what do you want to reveal, Jesus? I'm glad y'all asked. Y'all always ask the right question. I want to reveal just what I'm going to show you. The impotent man answered. Okay, y'all missed that. Let me, let me change the verbiage then. Let me change the verbiage. Rather than say the impotent man answered, let me say it this way. Let me say it this way. The sick man answered. Oh, y'all missed it. Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? But then the sick man Answer. All right, all right. Let me help y'all because I, I tell, all right, I got to add 15. I was going to let you go. I was trying to close. But what happened is the sick man answered. If we're not careful, there's a sick man in us. And instead of the spiritual man answering Jesus, the sick man can answer. So that's why some of you all try to live right but you always keep going astray. That's why some of y'all try to go without drinking. You're still in the, getting a drink every now and then. That's why some of y'all try to stop cursing, but you still keep cursing every now and then. Some of you try to be pure, but you keep on fornicating every now and then. Well, the difference is the sick man is crying out. Let me, you, let me put it away. My, my. In other words, no matter how hard you try to be righteous, a lot of us have granddaddy's bones. Okay, you, you missed it. Lord have mercy. You got turn your name and say neighbor. Granddaddy's in your bones. Now, what that means psychologically is some of you are trying and you really want to do right. But you, it just something overcomes you. So no matter how much you try to come to church, but I'm trying, preacher. But I just had to have a drink. See, listen, until you address the sick man, you'll continually be sick. If you got a cough, until you go to the doctor to take something for that cough, you're going to keep having a cough. So in other words, no matter how much you try to come to church, you got to deal with your daddy's and your granddaddy's problem. And you got to face it, deal.
deal with it, even get counseling for it, so you don't repeat. Because, well, listen, listen, what we don't repair, we repeat. Let me put it this way. Some of you all, your granddaddy drunk, your daddy was a drunk, so you made up in your mind, I won't drink. See, you dealt with your situation. And so therefore, you don't drink. Because you know that once you start drinking, it's on. Hello? Some of you all are good husbands and good wives. Because you saw your parents be good husbands and wives. Or you saw just the opposite and you made a vow in your mind, I ain't going to be like my daddy. That's why some of you can rise above it and some of you can't. Some of y'all want to be stuck. Well, you know, my daddy did it. My granddaddy did it. If you want to change your situation, you got to change your decision. All right, I'm trying to find something y'all like, y'all don't like. But what we have to understand is, we want God to bless us. Well, my time is gone. No, Can I have a few more minutes? My time is gone. I didn't realize I'd been at all. I only got a few minutes. Some of you want blessings. Bless me, bless me. All your prayers, bless me. Let me, let me caution you. Let me caution you. Let me caution you. Let me, I know you want to be made whole. Lord, bless me. Bless me. Let me read to you. There is side effects to blessings. Let me say it again. For fear you thought you didn't hear me correctly. Some of your prayers every morning, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. God can bless you. But you have to understand Along with the blessing yes, sir. comes side effects. Let me help you. When God blesses you, you're going to pick up some new haters and haterettes. They're going to come out of the woodwork like crazy. And then that's why a lot of you mess up your blessing. Because you thought you wanted a blessing, but you really couldn't handle your blessing. Because you didn't, along with this blessing, become more enemies. The greater the promotion, the greater the enemy. Yes, sir. Right. When you go to another level, yes, Satan brings out a new devil. Yes, sir. And another thing. The Bible says, Ephesians 4, verse 1, we have to walk worthy of the vocation. I'm very close. Vocation means there's a God has called you for a walk, a purpose, an assignment. A lot of us, one reason why we're not spiritual, one reason why we're not doing well is because we spend so much time working on our occupation. We never have time for our vocation. Your vocation is what you do for God here. 
your occupation is what you do to make a living while you're here. If you spend all your time working on your vocation, or rather your occupation, and you spend no time on your vocation, no wonder why you're spiritually now nutrition, because you didn't spend any time building up the kingdom of God, but you rather spent all your time building up your bank account and your cars and your houses, and you spent no time on your vocation. You spent all your time on your occupation and no time on your vocation. So your church, your spiritual family is spiritually poor because you had no time to give the vocation. You spent all your time on your occupation, and you spent all your time on your occupation, then the church because they don't have your vocation because what you do for God is going to last but what you do for your occupation you die tomorrow they're going to find somebody else pay two people the same price they were paying you and you ain't got nothing but what you do for God will spend with you in eternity I know you got to work but some of y'all ain't got to work on Sunday somebody told you get time and a half devil times over it There you go. Hello. Like I said, I may not be back, but I'm here now. You're all your time is on your occupation. And you have no time for God's purpose and call in your life. How dare you? God gives you a gift for this church right here. How dare you rob the church here, your family here, because you're too busy with your occupation. We need someone to fry chicken. We need someone to sing and pray and be faithful and show our young men how to live right with Christ. And show them how to treat a woman and what to call a woman. But they can't do that because you're over here at your occupation. And you want to know what's wrong with our young folk now? You ain't here. You're missing in action. Let me close. I, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I can tell y'all can't take no more. Let, let me close. Let me close. Let, let me do this. I, I, I got to close. Yeah. I forgot. Y'all don't want to hit a preacher. Let me, let me tell you what, what I think. Let me give this to the church. Just for the church. My heart goes out to you and your loss. So let me try to put some kind of sense with it. There's an old story that I used to tell years ago. I kind of even stopped telling it, but it's, it's, it's relevant right here. Back some years ago, I, I stayed in meetings most of the time. I was gone every, all the time. So I was, I was gone in a two-week meeting. And uh, I, I lived in Indianapolis at the time. And I went to Texas for a meeting. And this is when TWA was flying. And so I had been gone for Two weeks. Uh, right. Don't look at me like that. You know when, you, when you've been out of your pulpit, folk look at you crazy. They don't want to hear. Where I preach at? We want to hear our preacher. I come to hear my preacher. So I uh, tried to get back. And the, there was a delay in the airport. And so I had to do a connecting flight in St. Louis. Are y'all here? Yes. And so I'm trying to fly back. Uh-huh. And, and so we get on the plane, and we took off late, and so we start flying, and, and I'm saying, oh, man, I'm running on time. I'm sitting there looking at my, my watch, and I'm looking, oh, man, I got to get to this flight. I got to catch a flight. And we're, we're steady flying. And 
So as we're flying, I'll take a break to keep you in suspense. <laughs> so while we're flying, we get ready to come for a landing. And in this landing, I noticed that I don't fly well, but I fly out of necessity, so I have to take motion sickness when I fly. So when I fly, I, 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 you want to fly in the plane with me because I, I pray for the, the pilot, yes, sir. Yes, sir. the co-pilot. Yes, I, I pray that the person in the cockpit is in good terms with the guy in the tower. I pray the mechanic knew how much air pressure and check the engines. Ain't no rattling going on. I pray for the man that puts my luggage on the plane. They don't put it and send it to Los Angeles and I'm on my way to Indianapolis. And so, so I'm, I'm, I'm praying and so I, I see us going to come in, come in for a landing and I start praying. And normally when I pray, I know that uh, then we hit this boom. I'm like, oh, praise the Lord. That's why I want to say thank you, Lord. So I'm praying and, I, and I'm praying, I'm, I'm sitting there praying and I don't hear no boom. So my eyes up and we're still up in the air. I said, well, that's strange. I said, okay, well, I'm going to keep on praying. Maybe I just misjudged it. So I, I could, we all could use more prayers. I started praying again. So I started praying. And I prayed a while and a while and a while. Oh, my, we still ain't done no something wrong here. So next to me, there was a pilot next to me in a, well, a pilot uniform. And so I said, sir, excuse me. I said, my name is Pointer. And I said, I'm flying. I've been in Texas all this time, and i got to get back to Indianapolis. My folk will have a fit if I don't get back. I said, uh, can you explain to me, tell me what's going on? Why are we not landing? We should have been landing. He said, you're right. He says, what's going on right now? Let me explain to you. He said, it is what he did. He said, what's happening actually at this very moment, as I look out, we're in a holding pattern. I said, we in a what? He says, right now, you're in a I said, we in a what? He said, you're in a holding pattern. I said, you mean to tell me we in a, I, so I did that way. He says, yeah, you got that right. We're in a holding pattern. I said, well, what in the world is a he says a holding pattern. He explained to me, he said, what happens is when there's trouble, what they do with, with the incoming planes is they put them in a holding pattern until they can figure out what's going on and so everybody can land safely. A whole lot of us. What's going on in our life right now? What's going on with this church? Is you're just in a In other words, there's a man in a tower which is God. And as he looks down in Chicago, he can see more than what you can see. And he's letting you know it ain't time to land yet. So what he does is he puts you in a holding pattern because he knows that it's not time to land yet. And so you ought to thank God 
for the holding pattern. A, a whole lot of you, God got you in a holding pattern personally. Some of y'all are single and you're tired of being single and you jump out of your holding pattern and marry the first man that comes along and you wish you were back in your holding pattern. Come by to tell somebody if God has you in a holding pattern, you ought to stay in your holding pattern until the man in the tower, until God says it's time to land because God sees more than what you can see and he knows it's not time to land and so sometimes the reason why you got so many problems and situations in your life uh, is you try to take matters in your own hand and God's trying to put you in a holding pattern and some of y'all are just sick and tired and tired and sick and sick and tired of a holding pattern but I come by to tell somebody God got you there for a reason you need to stay in your holding pattern until your help comes stay in your holding pattern I'll wait on the days of my life for the Lord I'll wait on the Lord until my change come he may not come when you want him but he's always on time I'll wait on the Lord he, I wish I I have I'll just keep on waiting. I know I may have trouble and I might have sickness, but I'll wait on the Lord. I might have death in my family, but I'll wait on the Lord. I may go jobless, but I'll wait on the Lord. I may have family crisis and family trouble, but I'll wait on the Lord. I'll wait till my change come. God's not through with me yet. God's still working on me. God's still molding me. God's still making me. God's not through me yet. I'm still under construction. I'll wait on the Lord. I'm sorry. I thought I was at home. I, I was preaching like I'm at home. I'm sorry. And so then, we've been in the air for about an hour now. And we land. So back then I had a briefcase. And so I got my briefcase and I was walking out. And as I walked out, the pilot and the, the flight attendants would greet you as you leave. So I walked out and I said, I told y'all I had to preach to them on it. I told y'all I had been to St. Louis. And I don't need to see the, the tower again, the ark. I've already seen the arch. I've already been here. You ain't got to give me no tour of St. Louis. So I took my briefcase and I ran through the airport like OJ used to. And if you ever know about airplanes, you, you come in one terminal. You come in A and you got to go out in Z. So let me tell you what happened. I, can I tell you what happened? I was young then, too. I was running to the airport. I got my briefcase. I'm running all through the airport. I, oh, I'm fussing and complaining. And, I get to the final desk and throw my briefcase on the desk. I'm all out of breath. And the lady said, uh, you must be Mr. Pointer. I said, why? Because we've been waiting on you. I come by to tell somebody, when God has a blessing for you, nobody can take it away from you. I come by to tell you, nobody can connect like God can. If God has a man, if God has a job, if God has a house, if God got a car, if God got another person you need to meet, he'll make it happen. Don't you worry and don't you delay. He may delay, but don't you worry about it. You stay in your holding pattern. 
Don't give up on God. If God got you in a holding pattern, things ain't working. Stay in your holding pattern because God is putting you there because of safety. In other words, he's looking down at you and he knows it's not time for you to let you go yet. Have you ever, some of y'all got out of line and you did your own thing and it backfired on you? God says, stop trying to do your will. Let my will be done. I know when to put you back in. I got to close. My time is gone. My time is gone. But if God has a blessing for you, nobody can take it away from you. So what you need to do, what you need to do is stop trying to be God. Stop trying to manipulate God and let God be God. And just say, Lord, you are the potter and all I ever will be is clay. Nobody can fix this thing like you can. You got a spouse that won't act right. You better turn them over to God. You stop trying to go home and fix it with your little psychology. They're going to figure out your psychology. But let me tell you, if God deals with them, can't nobody deal with you like God can. God can go all up in your inner workings and you you come up and say, who's this? Because God had changed it. Hello. I say the same thing with this church. You want to do greater things? Turn it over to God. Right now, Maypole is in a God sees more than what we can see. And, and the reason why, let me tell you why. The reason why, if you notice, I, I, my eyes are going, but I can see better in the day. But I can see further at night. Okay, you missed that, you missed that, you missed that. See, when it's daylight, you can see things clearer. But at night, the stars in, in the morning, the stars are there, but you can't see them because it's daytime. But at nighttime, you can see past the sky and you can see the stars because at night when they glow, you see better. You can see further at night than you can in the day. And what happens is I'm closing the sun, the sun, the sun, the sun is a satellite. And what happens is it absorbs the sun absorbs light and it holds the light and it gives light. And so while we're rotating on our axis, what happens? We go into darkness. So if it's dark in your life, weeping may endure for a night, but joy will come in the morning. If you hold on, if it's night, daytime is coming. Are you following me here? So you got to learn to just wait until daytime. So if it's dark, turn the light. Walk in the light as he is in the light. And you'll have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse us from all of our sins. I come by to tell somebody that the light only holds what the sun gives. And so the stars you see shining, they get all their energy from the sun. And when the sun is rotating, now the stars got light because they got light from the sun. I come by to tell you the only light you'll have is not that from the S-U-N, but the only light you'll have is that from the S-U-N. So you have to stay in the word because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I tell you if you're complex, you're you're confused, just come keep hearing the word because the word will straighten you out. The word will lead you into the light church. I come by to tell somebody God, you're pregnant with destiny but you got to hold on in your holding pattern and say Lord, not our will but let your will be done. 
And Father, you're going to give us the person we need. You're going to give us the direction we need. You're going to give us the vision we need to take our church to further heights. But right now, you got to first of all admit, we're in a... It ain't time for you to land yet. Because God sees more. Then when you can see, you can see, you can see, you can see, and you can see. And so he puts you, he's trying to protect you. Because if they don't have that holding pattern, all the planes start crashing. So the man in Tower tells him, okay, you go 100, degree, you go, go 100 miles outside, due west, whatever. You go 100 miles that way and you just keep flying around the city. And every, every, every plane is at least five miles apart. All flying at different levels. And you stay there until I clear the ground up. But when I clear the ground up, I'll call you in and say, come on in for a landing. So I come by to tell you, your landing will come. It may be delayed, but it won't be denied. It might be delayed, but it won't be denied. God has something for you. Maybe there's somebody here. I don't even need to close. If you're here and you're not a member of the church, you ought to become one. Membership has its privileges. Let me say it again. Membership has its privileges. Because what happens when you become a member, God keeps you. When you look at me, you say, boy, he's kept. He's kept. And you're right. God keeps me. When I go look at my friends and they've been in the world all this time and, and I look at them and I got just a few gray. And they all grayed out. I'm like, like, what happened to you? Then I realized what happened. God kept me. I've been through some same stuff they have. But God kept me. And what I'm saying to you is God wants to keep you. God wants to protect you. God wants you to live for him. If you're here, I didn't come to tell you about me. I came to tell you about him. If you need Jesus, you ought to come right now. Because more than you need anything else, you need Jesus. Let me tell you something. Right now when you're going through trouble, don't get caught up with uh, the flesh. Don't get caught up. Because what happens is, we think we're going to drink ourselves to death. You're not going to find your answer in drinking. I've never heard anybody tell me they got delivered by drinking. I've never heard anybody tell me they got delivered by smoking marijuana and crack and cocaine. I've never heard that. I've never heard anybody say I've been delivered by being sexual promiscuous. But I have heard people tell me that when I found the Lord... I found my deliverance. So deliverance is only in Christ. So more than you need gin, you need grace. More than you need beer, you need blessings. More than you need vodka, you need virtue. More than you need a bloody Mary, you need the blood of Jesus Christ.